0: Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Michael Buzinski. and here's a bit about Michael. He's the president and CMO of Buzzworthy Website Marketing, is a lifelong entrepreneur, digital marketing thought leader, and best-selling author, dubbed a visionary marketer by the American Marketing Association. Michael's sole mission is to help entrepreneurs avoid the time drain and frustration of managing profitable digital marketing campaigns. Buzz, as most call him, has simplified digital marketing success with the rule of 26 and is on a mission to double the website revenue of service centric businesses across America. And today we're gonna unpack are websites dead? Do small businesses even need a website? And what does your online presence look like? Then you'll find out why he is leading with the rule of 26. So without further ado, please welcome Michael Buzinski, AKA Buzz, to Gem's podcast.
1: Hey, how's it going, Genesis?
0: It's going well. So uh, Michael, let's just dive in, or should I call you Buzz?
1: Buzz is great. (laughs) So (laughs) let's
0: just dive into this powerful segment, because I'm sure the listeners are eager to know about websites, because now people do everything on their phone. So does it make sense to have an app, or does it make sense to have a website?
1: Well, you know, if you would have asked me about 10 years ago, I would have told you that the future was in apps. Everybody seemed to be wanting an app. And then came the Internet of Things, and which allowed people to have websites, mobile-friendly, mobile-responsive websites that did things just like apps. And the great thing about that is that now you're not hidden behind a firewall, if you will, uh, in app stores for Android and for iPhone. You don't have to maintain all of these apps because they're they're very time-consuming to maintain. There's lots of back-end stuff that you have to deal with. Um, so in today's realm, websites are more powerful than ever. Um, some would have told you just a few years ago, probably maybe six or seven years ago, that Facebook and Instagram and the social media platforms were going to replace websites. But now we see today, absolutely not, because we don't own our profiles on social media. And if you don't own that social media profile, that means you don't own your audience. In a website, you do. You own your site. You can do whatever you want with that site. If Facebook decides to do what they've been doing for the last 15 years is consistently change it to benefit them more. At some point, it's not going to be profitable for you to be there. And if say you want to shift from Facebook to Instagram or Instagram to Pinterest, if you don't have a website to base everything off of, you're having to start from scratch. And that's why it's so important for small businesses, especially to have, actively, and accurately portrayed websites on the internet?
0: Mm, Because it seems like having your own website, you control your assets and you're not a liability versus you using another platform like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and et cetera. And Mm. one of the prime examples that we could talk about is whenever social media went down, Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp, People who do their businesses online and via those platforms, they had no access to their content, their clients, or et cetera, because the sites were down.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And let's go one step further. Let's say that Facebook gets sanctioned. You know, um, they're going, they're under a lot of scrutiny right now. And they just completely shut down. So not only did you get, you know, if they have an interruption, that's one thing. But if they just disappear, you disappear from the internet, right? And then another thing is, is that 68% of all consumers start their buying process or their buying journey on search engines. Two-thirds of all, two out of three purchases start with a search query, They don't search social media. They're searching on search engines. So if you don't have a website, you're not going to be able to show up because the search engines only search for websites.
0: So let's dive a little bit deeper there uh, regarding search engines, because if someone has a website, but maybe their website is not prevalent or high up on that hierarchy in search engines, then are they really even being relevant? Because Let's be honest, I use Google sometimes for for my search engine or maybe Safari, but I'm not going to go thumbing through pages of information to find you and your business. Number one, that's not a good use of my time and if you're a solopreneur and you don't have that VA, it's like your time is very valuable. So how can we dive in a little bit deeper there and make it make sense for some of these solopreneurs and small business owners?
1: So the search 95% of all websites will fail to be listed on the first page. 99% of all business owners pay attention to their so, their search engine marketing. So there's a lot of opportunity there. That means that 5% of the folks are getting all the, that 68% of the business because you're correct. Only 2% of all users get past the first page on Google. So for a solopreneur, we're not necessarily looking, especially if they're a local business. So they, their clientele are very local to them, maybe a city or a county. They don't necessarily need to worry about the 10 listings that are below the maps, right? So you have the ads at the top. Then usually you have, right now you have snippets. The snippets are, uh, are, are part of uh, what we call schema, And that's where your content marketing goes. And we can talk about that later. Then there's the maps. And so maps are mainly used, like you were saying, on your mobile phone. And you can optimize specifically for maps. It's called local SEO. And if you optimize your Google My Business page, which is what maps feed off of, you have a much better chance of getting calls and more interest and traffic to your website than if you just focused on the 10 listings below. Because those 10 listings below, a lot of those are, especially if you're a common service, like say a medical service or a common leisure service, then you're competing a lot of times with national brands. And so if you can't, um, if you don't have the time or the resources to compete there, you definitely want to be competing in the maps because 90% of all people who click on a location in maps, visit or contact that company within 24 hours.
0: Wow, that's incredible um, metrics there, Mike and Buzz. And then let's talk about the maps part, because what I learned recently from interviewing somebody who is a subject matter expert Um, When it comes to local SEO is that if you don't have a quote unquote brick and mortar or place for your business to um, use on Google, my business or business ads, then you're not going to be searchable on maps. And I thought that maybe if someone had like a home business that they could use their home address, but you actually need to have something with signage and a door apparently.
1: actually. No, you don't. (laughs) I I, I hate to contradict another expert, but you do not. And this is great for home-based businesses. You do not have to list your home on Google My Business to have a listing on Google My Business. Oh,
0: well, you could hide it. I think she mentioned hiding it too or something. Yeah,
1: I would do better than that. I'm hiding it, eh,
0: eh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's one way to doing it. It's not how I would do it. They actually have listings without addresses. They're online services. And then you identify the area that you, um, you serve. So I have a hosting company, okay, that's separate from my marketing company. It has no address, okay? So, but we go in and we list it as an online business and then we give it a service area. So I can say, well, we service companies all over across the United States. Eh, they don't want to see that. They want to say, are you servicing Chicago area, the St. Louis area, Dallas, LA, New York? And you can put as many as you want in there. And then that way, if anybody's searching on maps for an online type of service, or maybe a software as a service, they can still you can still be found. You just have to optimize for Google My Business. Still, you still need to, you know, play with your Google My Business page and keep working that. But I I always say, don't try to fool Google, use Google the way Google likes to be used. Right. And so this is kind of recent. So it might be just something that they had missed. So I'm not discounting their expertise. I'm just saying that there is a way for you to list without having an address.
0: And that's a really valid point because so many people have transitioned their businesses online, especially during the pandemic. So thank you for adding that and for clearing um, clearing it up. So they could list online put their service locations, the areas that they service. But in order to have Google My Business, do they actually have to have a LLC or maybe a DBA? Or can you just, anyone can create one.
1: Pretty much anyone can create one for sure. You know, But if you're going to do business, you definitely want to make sure that you have your uh, your business license in place, and all your liability insurance, and all that stuff. I, I would definitely not try to work with strangers without a business license for sure. Like that's that's something that can get you in trouble, especially with taxes and whatnot. Um, I would, you know, if you're, you're talking about like, should you have a LLC or a social proprietorship or an S corp or something like that? You know, I would bring on an accountant that can tell you all the differences there. I know that, you know, having an LLC is super easy in the United States and being able to file as an S corp gives you a lot of benefits and some protections as well. So you can separate your business from your personal prop, uh, property.
0: Yeah, those are really great points. And I always encourage people as you are building up in business, build out your dream team, have an accountant. Have an attorney that you could go to to make sure that you have proper documentations in place, whether it's an NDA, non-disclosure agreement, whether it's a non-compete, whether it's any form of contracts or whatnot. Just to really protect you as an individual, but also protect your assets, because when money gets involved, you're actually going down a slippery, slimy slope, (laughs) especially if people see you as a prey versus a predator. So. As we dive back into this segment on websites and um, marketing and et cetera, when do you feel that people should really um, put money into their website? Because some people create a generic website and it works for them. But as you begin to grow and scale, I think that you need to make some technology, technology advancements when it comes to your website.
1: I would agree that, you know, your website is, it is as much a part of a, a business as brick and mortar is and brick and mortar businesses that, you know, businesses that have locations um, need the websites just as much as those who are just online or remote, as you say. And the time to invest is the time that you, is the the time that you have the money to do it. Right. I never tell people to try to learn website development. Right. That's not the best use of your time. But if you don't have the money to do it, that's a different story. You know, my company has now created a way for people to get professional WordPress websites that they can manage themselves for 100 bucks. I mean, so it's I'm I'm trying to take away all of the, the the excuses of not having a professional website. So, and if you can't afford the hundred dollars a month to have a website, you might not be ready to be in business because you haven't put your you haven't created enough cash flow to even pay the rent because websites are rent right like you have to have it if you, we just talked about the importance of having them and if you don't have one you're a word of mouth business you're really more just a hobby right and and that's fine or a lifestyle business that's working on strictly word of mouth and referrals but though if you want to scale your business predictably you have to have something to leverage your message 24/7 7 days a week 365 days a year doesn't take vacation, doesn't take sick days, doesn't ask for a raise, doesn't need benefits, all of the things working for you when you're sleeping, taking care of your kids, taking care of other clients, all those things. That's what a website is. It's your salesperson. And if you have everything pointing there and it is telling this, your story convincingly enough for people to take action, you are leveraging something huge.
0: Make it make sense is what I tell people. It should be your go-to spot and it should be your signature in a sense because it signifies what you're doing in your respective field. It shows your visibility. It shows your online presence and it should summarize everything about you you know, professionally. And it's like your business card in a sense. So at least invest in what you are willing to see a, ROI on return on investment. And now, um, Buzz, I want to kind of dive into the rule of 26, unless you want to add any more value regarding <laughs> marketing, because there's oh, so much that you could talk about when it comes to website and marketing and just making it work like a well oiled machine.
1: <laughs> well, I think that the rule of 26 is the next step. Right. Once you've built a website, now you have to figure out how to monetize it. And the rule of 26 is a tool to help you stay focused because we're in the land of shiny new objects. And as entrepreneurs, we're always looking for that competitive edge. What's going to help me get the most sales? for my company month to month, right? And we already established that a website is one of those key elements. But once you have one, how do you leverage it like we talked about? And that's where the rule of 26 is. And so I wrote this book called The Rule of 26. And this particular one is for service-based businesses and it's three steps to doubling website revenue. And really what it, it does is it boils down your actions to three. Um, and I'll back up just a hair. Key performance indicators um, or KPIs are what we use in marketing to understand whether or not our website is producing, okay? And they uh, just shy of revenue. Problem is, is that there are companies out there like HubSpot who will tell you there's 38 KPIs to keep track of. Shopify, 73. I don't know about you, but I, I'm a marketer. I've been in this business for a long time. I do not want to be tracking 38 or even 73 KPIs to figure out whether or not my website's working. So I sought out to simplify this to where it's not confusing for a business owner, and it's easy for us to use and navigate our successes with our clients. And so the rule of 26 states that if you increase the unique traffic to your website by 26%, the conversion rate of your, those visitors by 26% and the average revenue per client by 26%, you will double the revenue of your website. Now, I do go through uh, folks who don't have any traffic or don't have any conversions and where to start from that. But those with some traffic and maybe one or two conversions, that's great. And the thing is, is if one becomes two, that's twice as many and you get to do, do it over again. And you continue to do that until you're getting the amount of sales that you can reasonably take on without, you know, your customer service suffering. Um, so it's repeatable. It's predictable. You have the formula. And that and that's really what the rule 26 is all about. And the book goes through all of the tactics to increase each of those KPIs by 26%.
0: So Buzz, how did you come up with 26% in those three different areas?
1: I first looked for KPIs that directly moved the revenue needle because as small business owners, we really only care about one thing, revenue, right? Revenue is what keeps our business alive. Without it, there is no business, right? And so I wanted KPIs that really resonated with my clients and should resonate with any business owner, okay? And so then it was a matter of what is the goal? right? So having a tool that doesn't have a purpose, right? And a purpose is usually towards a goal, then we're kind of lost, right? And I can just say, yeah, I use these. And then you're like, okay, I'll arbitrarily use this. I don't know if it's working or not. So any, everybody wants to double their sales. So I took those three and did the math and found out that 26% across the three of them actually doubled. I started with 25%. Actually, I was like, I don't want it to be so much. Like, I don't want it to be where you have to double your traffic to double your sales. I mean, that's hard comparatively, right? But just 26%, those are incremental changes in three key elements, right? And that average revenue per client sometimes doesn't have anything to do with your website at all. So now we have actionable steps that are going to increase revenue immediately because you do step one. You have increased, if you have any, any percentage of conversions from your website, you increase any of them by 26%, you're going to get 26% more revenue coming from your website. The second one is now going to bring you up to 52%, but that last one's going to give you that leverage, and it's going to give you a compounded output of 100% more or doubling the sales from your website. And that is something that's tangible, and that's why I used it.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. So there was really no other rhyme and reason except you testing it out. Did you put it in beta testing with some of your clients before um, you came up with the definition of the rule of 26?
1: Well, it it came from my experience. Um, I've had an award-winning SEO uh, concept or methodology um, for many years uh, over, let's see now, we're looking at 11 years now. It's called digital engagement optimization. And so we looked at some of the KPIs that we um, saw there, where we saw the successes coming from. And from that and my 30 years experience in marketing, I understood that we need, really needed to, one, simplify it. But I understood all of the KPIs out there already. So it was easy for me to boil it down to maybe a dozen at first. And then keep going. Like, what does it really matter? Like a lot of people talk about bounce rates or uh, sessions or page views. All of these things are important, but none of them actually move the revenue needle because you have to have traffic. You must be able to convert. Okay. Those are the two things that must happen. And the leverage of being able to get more value out of each of your perfect clients is something that allows you to get more without actually having to always produce more. So just from my experience, that's where, um, that's how I was able to boil that down. It's math driven. There's no beta to it. You do these things. It happens. And so the tactics I put in there are tactics that we've used, um, over, the shoot, what have we done? 1,200 companies, 800 companies was actually served. We've built over 1,200 websites. Um, so all of that experience and all of the things that we've done to, to those went into a lot of the tactics that I outlined here that are mostly do-it-yourself tactics, and then also showing you how to approach having other people to do some of those tactics for you as well.
0: Okay, nice. And thank you so much for elaborating on that, Buzz. And then, whenever you think about the conversion rates and the time spent on websites, do you ever look at the duration that people spend on websites and factor that in? Because do you feel like if somebody spends longer on a website, 10 minutes versus five minutes, or 30 minutes versus the 10 minutes, that it will definitely help convert them over to purchasing?
1: Well, the average <laughs> the average time spent on a website is usually under two. Um, yeah, It's actually under a minute. I don't know what it, the, the up-to-date is, so I don't want to misquote the actual statistic. Um, if you have somebody on your website for 30 minutes and they don't convert, they're not a client. Not all traffic is qualified traffic. And so we use some of those KPIs when deciding what to do in looking at specifically conversion rate optimization, right? Um, and traffic is, has the same way as like, what kind of traffic is it repeating traffic versus unique traffic? All of those things, right? So I, my philosophy is to get them to click on something fast, right? So there's um, software out there called, uh, there, one of them, uh, a provider is called Hotjar. And it's a heat map for your website. Hotjar.com is free um, up to a certain usage, but usually up to that usage for small businesses enough for them to understand how well their websites are working, and it allows you to see how far down the page are they going, are they stopping and reading, what are they skipping over, what are they clicking on, what are the hot spots in in the graphics that people are looking at and staying there, those types of things. Um, there's even option to track people's eye movement on the screen if they have their camera uh, active, those types of things, right? Um, all of that going to the fact that you have to make your website about your client. So the only reason we're tracking how long they've been there, where they're clicking, where they're looking is because we need to understand our, our potential client. And we need to understand what they tune into and what they tune out of. Because without that information, we don't know what to tweak. And we want to tweak that to where we're engaging in their pursuit of either uh, solving a problem or attaining a dream. Because as a service-based business, there's the only two things you do, right? You either solve a problem or, do a, uh, uh, or attain a dream. So you have to then make that happen for that user. Oh, you understand my problem. You have an awesome solution for it, and you are trustworthy. I will engage with you now.
0: Mm, Okay. And wow, that was shocking to learn that it's less than two minutes approximately. I had no idea. Um, And then last question before we wind down. Do you think that having personalized videos on your website drives the conversion?
1: It can help. If you're telling a story, it's much better to have videos. But, but be cognizant of how your videos are being played, right? Don't have them automatically playing with the sound on, okay? Because I don't know about you, but as a user, I hate that. And most users do too, especially if they have their their speakers up <laughs> too loud. Boom! <laughs> Oh, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go back. They're like, no, 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 no. I don't want that, right? And make them short. One, two minutes tops. If you can get your message in 30 seconds, use 30 seconds and then give them a call to action after that 30 seconds. If it takes a minute, that's fine. But get to the point. Um, I said two minutes is for good conversions. Like a, a person converting is usually there for two minutes, right? But... And most of your folks are going to be there less than 30 seconds, and you have less than three seconds to grab their attention.
0: Wow, lots of metrics, lots of learning. So uh, Buzz, I want you to leave the listeners and the viewers with a call to action for this segment, and then close us out by letting them know how they could connect with you on your website and where you hang out on social media.
1: Sounds great. Well, I'm going to combine the first two and say your call to action is to get yourself a copy of The Rule of 26. It is so easy. And the ebook's only 10 bucks. <laughs> and I'll tell you what if you get the ebook and email me at buzz at buzzworthy.biz with a copy of your download, I will send you a paper signed paperback copy for absolutely free. Um, so, you, to do that, you need to go to www.ruleof26.com. That will have the links to buying the paperback or the ebook. And if you want to learn more about my company, Buzzworthy Integrated Marketing, please check us out at buzzworthy.biz. That's B U Z Z W O R T H Y dot B I Z.
0: Oh, man. And then are
1: y'all on social media? Oh yeah, social media. Now social media. So we are on, I'm on LinkedIn mainly. Uh, if you can, you can find me at Michael Buzinski, uh on LinkedIn. I do most of my posts there. We are also, uh, you are buzzworthy on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. And buzzworthy marketing on, at, it's uh, at buzzworthy marketing on Instagram.
0: And there you have it listeners and viewers you learned how to make sure you have an online presence with a website you can have you know your website um if you don't have one it's time for you to get one so you could stay relevant and people could know how to really connect with you so until we chat next time peace love and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Go out and look for ways that you can really solidify how you are leaving your imprint and driving an impact in the world today. Subscribe Subscribe and share this podcast segment with family members and friends who are on 40 plus platforms. And follow us on YouTube at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. Until we chat next time, ciao. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe. at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on Gems Podcast.